This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Raisa and Renee Jose are two young changemakers living in the Archdiocese of Vancouver. From a young age, the Jose sisters had the values of service and love of neighbor instilled within them, and they wanted to find different ways to serve the community. This inspired them to start The Giving Truck, a nonprofit organization which aims to mobilize youth to create change through random acts of kindness. Together with their volunteers, they serve people all over the city of Vancouver, and they hope to empower other young people to be the change they wish to see in their community. In this episode, Risa and Renee share how The Giving Truck got started, the different ways they serve others, and what sparked their love of service in their own lives. Hello, Risa and Renee. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was mentioning to you both that this is the first sister duo that I've had on. So I'm super excited and extra excited because of the fact that we all live in Vancouver together. We're all in the same archdiocese. So it's so great to finally meet both of you. It's lovely to meet you as well. We're super excited to get to share our story today. And um, I'm sure my sister is also very excited as well. Wonderful. So maybe to start off, I'll get each of you to introduce yourself. So perhaps Raisa, we'll start with you. Mm-hmm. Hi, everyone. So I'm Raisa, Raisa Jose. I'm an Associate of Arts graduate. I'm 20 years old, and I currently work at the Archdiocese of Vancouver as an administrative assistant in the Ministries and Outreach Office. And I started this nonprofit organization called The Giving Truck with my little sister, Renee. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Renee Jose. Um, I'm 16 years old, and I'm a grade 11 student at a Catholic high school. Beautiful. Wow. So I'm super cognizant of how young you both are, which is incredible, but it just goes to show that ministry and service, it's not just reserved for after you leave university or after you have a job. Like this is something that you can do right from the very beginning of your life. So I'm super excited to jump in. As you mentioned, Raisa, we're all going to be talking about the Giving Truck and this wonderful organization that you started. But maybe even just before that, if we could dive into your respective, maybe faith journeys and how you've come to know Christ in the way that you do now. So again, maybe Raisa, we'll start with you. And I'd love also to hear how you're able to share your faith with each other, because I find that to be very unique given our our circumstance today. Mm -hmm, Sure. So I guess I can speak on behalf of my little sister and I. Uh, We were cradle Catholics. So we grew up going to church every Sunday, singing in choir, uh, involved in youth ministry. And actually, Renee is still part of the spirit team. So preparing grade six and seven students for the sacrament of confirmation. And we went through Catholic education our whole life. So faith has always been a part of our lives. And when I was in high school, I started wanting to learn more than just the basics. And I found myself going to religion classes with with lots of questions and absorbing lots of information. And I started actually listening and reflecting on the readings in Mass. And 
just knowing that they're more than just stories. And I think that's what's so beautiful about our faith. I, I just keep learning new things every day. And it just all boils down to how, how loving God is. There were so many times when I was thrown into situations where I started questioning my faith and what my values were, especially with controversial topics. But I'm so blessed to have gone through Catholic education, but that didn't mean that I wouldn't face people who challenged my faith. So I was wrestled with different arguments here and there, but in all my wandering and searching, it, it again boiled down to his care and love for all of us as his children. So what I think is so amazing is the Archdiocese has done a great job in providing meaningful events where communities can be strengthened. And I really saw my own faith grow through retreats, through faith studies, but most especially when I would go to the chapel, actually, uh, and just just have that alone time with God. During high school, I would I would literally be running um, running around during lunchtime to go to meetings for I don't know how many clubs I was a part of back then, but whenever I was overwhelmed with schoolwork or even with the extracurriculars that I had, I found myself spending my free time in the school's chapel. And sometimes there were just so many things on my mind that I didn't even know what to say in his presence. But it would be in those moments that I was reminded of the verse in Matthew chapter six, verse eight, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And the way that I could just be there and in silence and be known, it was really those moments that truly brought me to a life with God, not just as a part of my life, but rather in the center of it, the reason for my life. That's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Risa. Thank you. Renee, what about you? Mm-hmm. Um, like my sister mentioned, we grew up with values that were very Catholic. And I think everything ties together perfectly in terms of, you know, the giving truck, because I decided to follow Christ intentionally through service. I encounter and find God most especially through others. And like many, like my faith journey is, it's not always steady and it's always changing, but I truly find myself closest to God when I'm helping others and recognizing everyone's value and true worth. Another big part of my faith journey, I think, is me learning to rely on God as much as I can. Because for me, I love being organized. I love scheduling everything out. I like things neat and tidy, and I never want anything to be out of order. But in the case that something doesn't go as I'd perfectly planned, I would freak out. And I truly am a perfectionist and I tend to be afraid of failure. But this past year with the tragic situation of COVID-19, I really learned the value of patience and that I really need to let go and let God take control. I really dislike not being in control. And, you know, this past year has really tested my patience and I had to learn to adapt like many people. But I really think it was just God's way of telling me to make sure that I still keep him in my life, no matter how busy it gets. When life is uncertain, the one thing that is certain is God. And pre-COVID, I loved going to the vigil room and spending that one-on-one time with God. And I think another thing that has allowed me to be close to God and really grounds me is journaling. I writing down my thoughts and intentions make it seem more genuine and more real in a way. Obviously, this past year has really tested our faith in a way, but I've still felt very close to Him. Mm. Wow. There's so much wisdom that you both have shared, and it's something that I wish I had when I was your age, or even like, you know, younger, just like the the real test of faith, 
being able to really desire that relationship and that closeness with God. And I think if nothing else, you know, you both have already inspired me and we're only six minutes in to this conversation. So I love how both of you, you know, Raisa, you mentioned all the different clubs that you were in. And then Renee, you talk about this heart of service. So both of you were really united in that. And I was wondering where that first stemmed for you, because I think as children, as young people, like, of course, we want to be good people. We're raised to be good people, I would hope. But service is one of those things that it requires vulnerability. It requires you to go out of yourself. And sometimes it requires you to do things that you may not be willing to do. You may not want to do. It'll put you outside of your comfort zone. So I was just curious as to where that came from for both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I can answer this one. Um Like you mentioned something about vulnerability, and I think that's a really interesting point to bring up, but our interest in service really came from our upbringing and our family was and is still heavily involved in community service. We could not go a month without volunteering growing up. It was just like a family thing we would always do. And our family is pretty big and we're all very tight knit. Something that we all share in common is that we have a love for music and sharing that gift with each other. So every month my family would sing at a senior's home simply so Mm -hmm. that they can have a sense of companionship. We're all part of our church choir singing on Mm -hmm. Sunday mass and we volunteer in our community as much as possible. And growing up, we always wanted to translate our love of singing and benefit those who didn't have the same opportunities as us. So as a result, my family directed, produced, and performed in original fundraising musicals, um, with our latest musical being titled Right Here, Right Now. We've created these original musicals with messages of hope and love for the people watching it, but it was truly all for a greater purpose. All the funds went towards people overseas who did not have the privilege or the same opportunities as us to have adequate housing, safety, and so much more. So service is definitely an integral part of our lives, and we have so much passion for it. We truly owe it all to our family and the good hearts they have, as they inspired us to do something with our interests in helping others. So it's definitely from our upbringing. That's beautiful. My goodness. And from there... Uh, like you mentioned, you know, you touched on uh, right here, right now. And I know that a previous guest, actually a very early guest on the podcast was Alyssa Gutierrez. It's so wonderful to see all of those connections come together. But from there, you know, you both had started the giving truck, obviously fueled by a love of service. But when I first came across giving truck, my first thought was like a big truck that was going around and sharing gifts and goods. And obviously like both of you, your team, a lot of teamwork and service, love for other people. So yeah, where did the giving truck come from? Mm -hmm. I can take this one. So um, as Renee said, because we grew up so heavily involved in volunteering, we reached a point where we had this desire of wanting to share this beautiful gift of volunteering with others and specifically youth. So we've seen and felt firsthand how remarkable it is to be serving people. And we're asking ourselves, why not share this feeling with as many people as possible? Another cool fact about our family is that we love spending the weekend together. Mm -hmm. So because there are so many of us, my immediate family owns a 12-seater van where we can hop in after mass, go on ice cream trips, go to the beach or whatever we could think of after mass. So 
we decided to transform this family vehicle into having another purpose. And we titled it The Giving Truck just to inspire and just engage youth to hop on board with us and, and join us as we drive to different areas in our community and help those most in need. So Starting it wasn't easy, but I'm extremely grateful to have started this with Renee and and with the support of our parents and extended family, friends, and the staff at my college when we first started it. Yeah, it really just started with a series of family meetings, trying to figure out if this would actually be possible and just brainstorming. And it's amazing to see how this small idea grew into what the giving truck is today. And not to mention the fact that anyone that starts anything, whether it's a project or writing a musical or you know starting this organization that benefits so many people, I think many times young people especially may feel really daunted with all of the tasks because I think it's one thing to have the idea in your head. And then as I'm sure maybe both of you can attest to, as you start getting into the nitty gritty and you realize like, we got to do this and we got to do that. I was curious about how you found that process and, you know, what were some things that continue to really motivate you as you kept going? Just because I'm sure there must have been some roadblocks, pardon the pun, but some roadblocks that may have come up from time to time, but what continued to motivate you? Definitely. It's something scary because um, we started this back in 2018 when I was in grade nine and my sister was in first year university. And so obviously we were very young and we were always wondering, oh my gosh, I don't think people will take us seriously. Like, will people actually want to join us? And then, like you said, going in all the nitty gritty, emailing people, contacting sponsors, organizing fundraisers, meeting volunteers. It's something you don't learn at school. So we never had like a set outline Mm -hmm. of what we should be doing. Um, So definitely, like you said, very daunting, a little bit scary to get out there. Personally, I'm a little bit shy. So it was definitely um, a little bit scary for me. But like my sister mentioned, we felt and seen firsthand that feeling of service and sharing that transformative feeling with other people, something that motivates us. At the end of the day, knowing that somebody is smiling because we gave them a warm meal, someone is smiling because we pampered them for Mother's Day, just small things like that at the end of the day make us realize that our work is really worth it, even though sometimes it can be very difficult and we're still fairly young, we still have lots to learn. It's definitely a blessing in disguise because it's something that motivates us constantly is knowing that we're making a difference even in the small little mm-hmm. ways. And going back to what you were saying, Rachel, about it being daunting and us being youth, like trying to take that first step, something that really struck me when I went um, in college and took a leadership course, my prof actually said, why not start now? It was that question that made me stop and think, yeah, like, why am I waiting for this opportunity to come after I graduate after I get a job, after I have this whole life happen in front of my eyes. I just need to take that first step, whether it's a small step, it's still a step forward to achieving your dream, whatever it may be. And I think another thing that our parents instilled in us was don't be afraid to ask because the worst thing that they could say is no. So whenever we were asking for sponsorships or asking for support from different organizations, just learning to approach them and ask without feeling afraid of them saying no, the worst case that could happen, we could just ask someone else and, and so on. But we've seen nothing but support and we've just been so humbled by that. Yeah, I love what you both were saying, and particularly that last point that you were making there. 
about really seizing the moment right here, right now, literally right here, right now, <laughs> taking taking into your hands like something that, yes, there's a lot of work ahead, could be very scary, and like people could say no, but just the fact that, you know, why wait to make a difference? Like, why not start right now? And I think that there's something very inspiring about that, just because, you know, we can link this to a number of conversations around like discernment of anything really like of course mm. there's a lot of care that needs to go into discerning to start something or discerning your vocation but ultimately god calls us to act and he doesn't call us to make perfect steps along the way he knows that we're human but you know he calls us to act out of faith and act in trust make one step forward even if you feel like oh like i've only made one small step today but just the fact that you're moving forward is already so much. So that's really wonderful. In terms of the different things that the Giving Truck does, because you mentioned that you started this in 2018. So of course, it's been a couple of years now. It's evolved, I'm sure. So what are some of the things that you and your team of volunteers do on a typical basis, maybe in a pre-COVID world? So before COVID, we would engage in different activities every month. So this ranged from shoreline cleanups at Jericho Beach to going to Union Gospel Mission and pampering the women, reminding them that they're loved by having their makeup done, curling their hair. And we recently even did a activity for Valentine's Day, going to seniors' homes. But again, before the pandemic, we would go inside the facility, sing love songs for the seniors and really just spend that time with them. Of course, all of this had to change because of the pandemic. We transitioned in a way that's safe for both the volunteers and those who were helping. So, for example, with Valentine's Day, we had to have the volunteers do the activities from their own homes. Um, and it's pretty interesting and quite beautiful having the volunteers still engage in service during this time. I know a lot of youth have reached out to us because of a lot of organizations halting their volunteer activities, but with us, they're able to uh, still continue and do it from their own homes. So whether it was individually packing treats or writing a Valentine Day card, it really made the day of the seniors. And them being part of the activity itself and, and seeing the result from it, even though they couldn't see it in person, um, maybe just even seeing an email from the facilitator or, or um, pictures from the facility, it, it still meant a lot. And we were able to help over 300 seniors this Valentine's Day. So it's amazing that youth, even during this time, are eager and passionate about giving back. But we wanted to really be the bridge between these organizations and the youth. So doing different activities, too, so that we can inspire, hopefully, and encourage different youth who have different passions to take part. It's just been a great, a great blessing to um, see how many events we've done. We've hosted a number of events. We've traveled far distances to help people. Um, my favorite event always will be the, our annual care kit distribution in the downtown east side packing care kits during Christmas and then actually interacting with the people there, seeing kind of what their life is like and seeing the outlook they have. They're all still very positive. They're all genuine people. And it's just a, a very humbling and very beautiful experience. It was very transformative for me. We do it every year mm -hmm. for Christmas and it's just been a great, great, great blessing for mm -hmm. sure. Wow. 
And of course, like I kind of alluded to this, you know, we were chatting a little bit about pre-COVID and both of you touched on the fact that even now there were many youth that were still reaching out, wanted to help out, and you found ways to really transition the maybe in-person service that you were doing and do it in such a way that it was COVID safe for both yourselves, for your team, as well as those that you help. But of course, like we know that COVID has been difficult for everybody. And we're recording this episode right now um, while we're still in this pandemic. And you know, in terms of what you both have seen just based off of the volunteer desire to help, but also what you've been seeing in the communities that you serve, where have you seen like some of the biggest need when it comes to this time now with COVID? One of the areas that we actually saw had a big need was actually in homes. So we saw that with the pandemic in response to COVID, we had a small team created and we created this project called Care to Connect. And it's a program that we invited families to take part in fun weekly challenges while at the time we were in quarantine. And and this included family photo shoots or paper airplane competitions, making a meal with your family and, and lots more. And we researched on the topic of youth homelessness and noticed that one of the biggest factors in contributing to that is family conflict. So we wanted to address this in a way that is personal and also to just to get families talking about big issues such as youth homelessness, because some families may not be open to chatting about serious topics. Other areas that we also saw the biggest need was in the downtown east side um, amongst the homeless sector. Mm -hmm. So we found out that a lot of shelters had to actually space out their beds, meaning that they couldn't accommodate for the same number of people that they had before the pandemic. Um, And a lot of programs had to shut down. They had to halt because of the pandemic. So we responded by asking the organizations that we would help before COVID how we could help now in this unique situation. Luckily, we've been able to collaborate with different organizations we've and, and groups rather. So we've even connected with the Focolare movement, making care kits for those in the downtown east side. And it's just so heartwarming to see these groups who have seen us maybe on social media for one of our activities and then reach out to us to help out even during the pandemic. But again, done safely. So I think everyone has been affected. So just trying to help in the way that we can and not assuming what they need, but asking them, in fact, what they are, are lacking. Is it is it material goods? Is it obviously spending time is a little harder, but finding ways to do that in our own home. So exactly with like the Care to Connect program, getting families to bond in that way. I think also to add on that too, With your question being like, which area do you see was in most need? For families, it's probably not the first thing you would think of. But obviously, if you're at home, I think for the first kind of quarantine, a lot of families were at home and we're all kind of stuck in a rut. Like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I'm kind of Mm -hmm. getting bored at home. For me, my sister, we were thinking, how are we going to host in-person events if we're in a pandemic? So obviously, we had to transition to that. But seeing families come together is in itself an act of kindness. And it's growing a community in itself. I remember one of my friends mentioned to me that she really loved the Care to Connect toolkit, baking with her family because she felt that it truly brought her family closer, even in such uncertain times. And I thought the reason that she even reached out to me, I felt very touched. It was very humbling. Um, 
I think it was just a great experience. And I think it made me open my eyes to realize that we also still can be kind to the people, even in our homes. It doesn't have to be everyone mm-hmm. outside, but it can just be spending quality time with your loved ones at home as well. Yeah. That's really exciting and really great. It's no surprise that COVID-19 has hit literally everyone. I think it's quite indiscriminate in that way. But the care that both of you are taking, you know, whether it's people far and away in different communities that you're serving or the different families among you or your own family, I think that that's really special. And I'm curious to hear, and maybe Renee, we'll start with you, you know, in the time that you've done this so far, and I anticipate that there's still, one of you mentioned earlier that there's so much service for you ahead, Um, but what has been a big takeaway or the most inspiring thing that has happened to you ever since starting the giving truck that you will maybe constantly go back to or continue to treasure in your heart? That's a great question. The biggest takeaway for me, and I guess just, I realized how blessed I am. And I realized that God has truly, really blessed me. The biggest takeaway for me is that I guess too often we find ourselves in a wave of negativity and the media and most especially the news is always displaying these kind of scary things and it kind of damages my outlook on life and I kind of Mm -hmm. feel a little bit down and damages my faith in humanity a little bit. But um, the giving check is the greatest blessing because not only do I lead and host fun events, but I meet new people and whether that be a volunteer or meeting an individual on the streets of Vancouver, I experience the greatest amount of positivity by meeting new people and helping people. And that's definitely something that I will always cherish and treasure for as long as we do this, is that there's always going to be a sense of positivity and love wherever I go. And that's something that really kind of restores my faith in humanity a little bit. Yeah. And I think if I could add on, I think the most important uh, thing is remembering why we started this whole organization in the first place. And it's to do random acts of kindness and to do little things with the greatest amount of love possible. Uh, Seeing our volunteers actively live out this goal is just so heartwarming. And seeing the reactions of those receiving that gesture is the biggest blessing. And like Renee, restores my faith in humanity. And just knowing that we can make someone smile each day is a blessing. Recognizing someone as a valuable and loved human being is a blessing. Doing the work each day is a blessing. Mm. Yeah. And that reminds me of, I think it was John Paul II, who is far and away one of my favorite saints, but He talks about, and in Second Vatican Council, they talk about this idea of, you know, men and women really find themselves through being a total gift of themselves. And that's really what I'm hearing here just throughout this conversation. The service that you're able to carry out through the giving truck, but also there's a a real deep desire to love other people in the way that you both have been loved so well by your families and by each other. And I find that to be really inspiring because like we kind of chatted about earlier, I don't think that this is necessarily the first thing that people, especially young people, would think to do when it comes to spending their free time. So when it comes to encouraging youth to really step up and make a difference or may find themselves in the shoes that you once were in, where you were like, okay, I'm a young person. Who's going to take me seriously? How should I get started? There are so many things. How am I ever going to get it done? 
what advice or what encouragement do you have for young people to get involved, to help out, and to really pursue their dreams to serve other people? I cannot stress this enough, but you do not need to do big actions to prove that you are inherently a good person actively trying to make change. If you put a little bit of effort each day, um, every morning, every afternoon, just to be positive and to inspire change, you will see your blessings unfold. You will definitely see a ripple effect and your actions don't go unnoticed. And if you want to see change in your community, you have to actually be that change. If you see something you want to fix, you have to be able to start with yourself. I think as women, you really look up to St. Mother Teresa and her tremendous service for others. The quote that my sister and I live by is not all of us can do great things, but we can do Mm -hmm. small things with great love, which really encapsulates the Giving Trucks mission. Something else that I also really value is that my dad always tells me that God sees my heart. You don't need to prove to people that you're the best at what you do because God knows each person and he crafted us individually. To add on to this, to all the listeners or all the youth who are out there, we urge you to get as involved as possible in your community because you never really know what you're passionate about unless you try. And I still have years to explore and learn. Um, Like I mentioned, I'm actually a pretty shy person. And I know that putting myself out there and embracing different cultures, personalities, meeting new people really helped me be involved. So that's just something that I hope people can take away and hopes that they can inspire change and be that change in their community. I really love what Renee said, but (laughs) I don't think I could top that. But yeah, I guess going back to what I said earlier about why not start now? Just take that first step. You're still young. You have so much time to really make a difference and in your own small, special way. Yeah. And what a beautiful segue. I love that. So both of you, thank you. I love that you quoted Mother Teresa. And it's funny, um, Renee, the quote that you just shared, the quote that came to mind was do all things with great love. And I was just like, who said that? I'm pretty sure it's Mother Teresa. So thank you for confirming that. But it's a wonderful segue just because you both kind of touch on this heart that women have. And of course, given that this is the Feminine Genius Podcast, I would be remiss if I didn't ask how both of you see your personal feminine genius grow. So maybe Renee, we'll start with you. How have you seen your feminine genius grow and flourish through your work, your service and your life so far? Mm-hmm. Um, I really love this question because as a woman, I recognize that I have special capabilities and I can do I can do great things. And I've really seen my feminine genius flourish through my sensitivity. And people have always told me like, oh, nay, you're too sensitive. And it's always been such like in a bad connotation. Um, but being in a high school, being in a Catholic high school, I realized that sensitivity is not a bad trait nor a weakness, but it's rather a gift from God, whether that be simply hanging out with my friends, being a leader at my school, I am so incredibly sensitive to everyone's feelings and emotions around me. And including my own, I'm very sensitive about my own emotion. That's why I really feel that. Journaling really grounds me a lot. Um, And I always viewed myself as like a people pleaser in the sense that I simply want to make sure that people or everyone around me, they feel valued, they feel respected and content with themselves. And that's really where I I see myself flourish and through my sensitivity 100%. That's awesome. Yeah, what a beautiful treat. Yeah, and I guess for me, one word that um, encapsulates all of these for me is empathy. And I would always joke around because 
I would never fail to cry at Disney movies. It doesn't matter how many times I've watched it. Doesn't matter that I know exactly what's going to happen next. Like I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, I would, I would feel what the characters were feeling and imagine myself in their shoes. But anyway, <laughs> this empathy is is such a gift, and not only for me, but for women in general. For one of the activities that we had actually for the Giving Chuck, we went to celebrate Mother's Day, and we pampered the women by. Having volunteers do their makeup, curl their hair, distribute care kits, and I was actually curling mm-hmm. one of the women's hair and learned that she had previously been in an abusive relationship. And it's it's encounters like these that are so organic and and genuine. And I feel that women are able to make others feel known, similar to that feeling like when we encounter God and are known. I like to think that women are are amazing leaders in inviting people to grow in their faith. But but going back to the question, um, how have I seen my personal feminine genius flourish? I would have to say it's when I'm doing work with the giving truck and with the work I do at the Archdiocese. Um, like my little sister and I being two young Asian women founding a ministry that puts us in a very unique space that we would love to see grow. These days, we're seeing more women create businesses and become CEOs of companies, but it's it's still a percentage that we'd love to see increase. And I mean, having a, an empathetic lens really offers so much to the table when making decisions. So as for the work I do at the Archdiocese, I'm surrounded by inspiring women who want to encourage lay people to be more involved with their faith and to have religious sisters who are spearheading major Catholic events and, and women leading faith courses. It's just, it's just so great and amazing to be a part of it all. Hmm. Wow. And what a great way to, to cap off this conversation because I I love that just as a Asian Catholic woman myself, I really appreciate the fact that you are not only bringing, you know, your receptivity, your empathy, your sensitivity to these conversations, these tables, being present in the world, doing this wonderful work, but also just adding on that extra lens, being able to see things in a different way being able to see things that perhaps other women may miss and definitely men may miss. And it just goes to show that the world needs all of us, that God has created us uniquely for a purpose. And I am just incredibly inspired by you both. So thank you for the work that you're doing for the giving truck, for the community. And I'm excited to see where God is going to take you both. So thank you both for your time today. This is so much fun. Thank you. We had such a fun time chatting with you, Rachel. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. So I was wondering if you both could close us out with a prayer. Uh, Most definitely. Let us remind ourselves we are in God's most holy presence. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, Loving God, thank you for giving us the incredible opportunity to share our story and tell our feminine genius flourishes in our lives. We are so grateful and so blessed to be your daughters in Christ. We ask that you give us strength and courage to be more like you so that we may embrace you wholeheartedly. May we be inspired by your love to continue to spread your word through our thoughts, words, and actions. Give us a heart that is willing to follow you wherever you lead us. 
we pray for those in need that we reach out and lend a helping hand. We pray for those listening that there may be something that inspired them today. In this we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Awesome. Thank you both. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Thank My thanks again to Raisa and Renee Jose for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast. As mentioned, Raisa and Renee live in my home archdiocese of Vancouver, so this episode was extra special for me to record, and I'm so grateful for their time and the work that they're doing. You can learn more about The Giving Truck and support their work by checking out their website, givingtruck.ca. You can also follow them on Instagram and Facebook and I've left links to their social media profiles in the episode description below. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other platforms. All this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless, always.